Well, hello, everybody. It's wonderful to have you with us. I pray wherever you are that you know that God is with you exactly in the place where you are. Well, we are in a series that we are doing right now on what it is to be an impactor. So let's just summarise. And next week, we're starting a brand new series. So this will be the last time we'll summarise it quite like this. We said, what do we do? What do we do? What's our ministry impact is about? Well, we help people who are committed to God grow in their relationship with God. And secondly, we help, uh, we reach people who are unsure of God and faith and help them find God and then grow in their relationship with God. We do these two things, reach the committed, reach those who aren't so sure and help them find God and then grow in their relationship with God. Um, the impact is, is the faith uh, family or community of the Catholic guy. It's in multiple locations around the world that shares the same vision, the same mission, the same purpose and the same culture. So if you turn up to New York, it's just the same as here. If you go to Johannesburg, it's just the same as here. If you are in Jakarta, it is just the same as here. Or if you're in Singapore, to someone I was talking to in Singapore this week, it is the same place. Um, now, We've been doing this series called The Essential Building Blocks of Impactors, uh, or another way of saying it is what brings impactors alive. We've said that impactors is a church community, and the word community in the scriptures comes from the word fellowship, and fellowship means God bond. What unifies us is our relationship with God. Now, we said that now, well, there were four points that we made about what it is to be part of this community. And number one, we said Impactors is a place to love and be loved. And how do we do that? Well, it's listening to people. It's really listening. It is seeing the person in front of you, actually not looking through them, but seeing them. It's giving without the expectation of return. And it's including people because they are made in the image and likeness of God. That's what we say it is to love and be loved here. We, we said, secondly, that Impactors is a place to serve and be served. That, and, and when we are called to servant living and serving living comes from the knowledge of who you are as a son or daughter of God. It has to be voluntary. It's never forced. It uh, makes what you have available to others. You make what you have available to others and you have to allow yourself to be served, which for some people is very hard. It's acknowledging by doing so that you are a member of the body. Thirdly, we said that impact is, is a place to know and be known. And this for some people is very hard. How do we do that? Well, it takes two. It takes confidentiality. It takes risk. And it takes a decision to do and live that way. I recently said in that message, I talked about the word fine is a difficult word because what does fine really mean? And since then, I've had people all over the world saying to me, well, I can't say I'm fine anymore, but I used to. That's right, you can't. So, well, fine is all right but it's not as good as an honest answer, is it? Well, the fourth thing we said was impact is a place to know and be known. In other words, to, that it is, a, oh, sorry, is a place to celebrate and be celebrated. Um, or another way of saying that is to honour and be honoured. Nothing negative is said. Uh, the person being honoured can't reply until the end. And an honouring always commences in our world with these, four, these, uh, these few words, I want to honour you because... And I know people who've, who've done that in their families and in their work life even, and it has been amazing. So Impactors is a place to love and be loved, serve and be served, know and be known, celebrate and be celebrated, honour and be honoured. 
So what do we do with all of this? Because it's great theory. Now, I've been giving talks for a long time. If you go to our internet, I think there are 2,000 videos on there that I've recorded and, and our team has made. And, and I've given many talks over many years before we started making them. And it's almost like you can turn up and you can listen and you can come to church and you can listen to the message and then you just go home and say, well, that was a good one this week. And I've done that many times. But if we are to become something that makes a difference, how do we make these things become uh, in our world? Um, Otherwise, it just becomes a great place to be or to listen to. Um, uh, For some people, the answer might be, uh, is it okay just to turn up? Is it okay just to listen? And for some people, that's true. It is. It might be just exactly, this might be exactly what you, you need and it's the experience that you need. But then for others... For others, God's brought you here. God connected you, uh, whether you're in Los Angeles or whether you're in Ottawa or whether you're in London or whether you're in Barcelona or whether you are in Antarctica. I know know there's some people in Antarctica who are watching. God connected us because maybe he wants you to do something. Maybe he wants you to be something. Well, I recently went to Mass in a city, uh, in a a place, I went to Mass, um, where I bumped into a man that I'd only ever met a couple of times, and uh, he works in a very uh, senior role in the the Catholic Church in in religious education, in his city and in the state he's in. And when he saw me, he said to me, he said, hey, Bruce, he said, uh, and very quickly he got serious, and he said to me, he said, uh, what's happening? And, and, and he said, the church's image is so badly damaged in the eyes of the world. The church is silent. You don't hear it like you used to hear it. Um, and it's almost like many people are embarrassed now to call themselves Christian, to call themselves Catholic, to call themselves whatever church they go to. Um, he then went on, he said, he said, young people are leaving. And then he said, but if you look around, he said, old people are leaving in many places as well. Uh, and I think I've said to you in, 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 in the past, in recent past, the biggest group to have left the church in the last five years is the 55 to 70-year-old. They haven't died, they're stopping. Um, he then went on and he said, the leadership of the church doesn't seem to know what to do. And, uh, but they are busy. He said, they are busy. And then he said, I'm not sure what they're busy about, but they're busy, you know. And then, and, then, and then almost like a throwaway thought, he said to me, he said, uh, he said, but we know the church won't come to an end. He said, because Jesus said it won't. He then said, but he says, I don't know what we're going to do from where we are. Well, history's a great teacher. If we see history for not the olden days, but for seeing ways that, and principles and patterns that occur through history, where we can look at the past and we can learn things that we can apply to today. Um, Because through history, we faced moments like this. We faced moments where the church has become irrelevant to society. We faced moments when people have fallen away from church and from God. We faced moments when people have forgotten who they are. We faced moments from this. And... And, 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 and it's not easy to wrestle with what we're facing right now. It's not. 
Um, it's complex. Uh, in the past, if we go back and we look through history, there are some things that we see. Is in the past we've seen that sometimes people forget who God is. Oh, they, can, they know of God, but they forget of the things that God has done. And, and we know that because faith is, is a generational thing, in the sense of it's passed on from one person to another person. And as the priest who said to me about a God, he said to me, he said, God's got no grandchildren, Bruce. He said, well, God's got his only sons and daughters. He said, it, it doesn't help you that your parents believed. It doesn't help that your parents were, were, were good and faithful church people and love God. He said, at some point, it's got to come to you and you have to own it for yourself. And so therefore, what God does in one generation can be forgotten in another generation. We see it in the scriptures, the end of the book of, jo of Genesis. We read about Joseph and we read the end of Genesis where God has been great in Joseph's life and then years go by and it says, and they forgot who and what had happened in future times as we begin to read the next book of the Bible. Um, there are those people who therefore never encounter Jesus personally, never encounter God personally, don't have a sense of God in their life. There are people who forget or never ever learn how to truly pray, how to come into the presence of God and be touched. Uh, there are people who, there are people who uh, uh, in time begin to contravene God's laws, begin to engage in, well, what's called sinful activity, the scripture would call us, and, and they become compromised. And, and we see in the world currently today that compromise is common, that, that what we're called to, we're not living. We see that there are people who lose the power of God to experience God's power in their lives, that we don't see healings and we don't see God stepping into people's lives and changing people's lives because people forget. Um, we see people adhering to rules and to systems. We see people who turn up to church week after week after week and yet it completely doesn't affect their life. And once they walk out of there, it's as if they never went uh, for the next 167 hours of the week. What we know is that from history we have seen is that what is distinctive about being Christian and being a lover of God gets lost. And the Christian person begins to look exactly like the person who is in the world who doesn't know Christ and there is no difference. They don't look different. Um, and then we see things happen where people in the church begin to protect their patch the way that things were done in their world. In other words, what am I saying is that holiness is lost. Holiness is lost. What's holiness? Holiness is the recognition that we are God's sons and daughters and it makes us different. Holiness is doing what God asks each of us in our own practical lives to do and being faithful to that and doing it. And that will be different to one, different ones of us. Holiness is, 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 is pursuing those things we know that will cause us to encounter God in our life, like going to church, like prayer, like being with Christians, like living in openness, like loving and be loved, serving and be served, knowing and be known, celebrating and being celebrated, honour and being honouring. Um, way back in the Old Testament, 
when the people of Israel had been in captivity for 430 years uh, in Egypt, um, they did one thing that was crucial that we could learn from, is those people who had forgotten began to cry out to God, God, would you come and would you save us? Would you save us? Um, And God does. He He responds. How does he respond? He responds through a person. He responds through a man named Moses. And see, Moses, who had Aaron, they respond to God. And here's the thing. What will turn the world around today is people who will respond to God in extraordinary ways because we do learn that from history, that what changed the circumstances of the past, whether it was before Jesus or since Jesus, has been a person or people who come along and say, we could make that difference. We could make that difference. Um, and when they, they respond, in, in Exodus chapter 6, verse 7, God chooses them as a people and he says, I will take you as my people. I will be your God. You shall know that I am the Lord your God who has freed you from the burdens of the Egyptians. He says, I will take you as my people. I choose you. And God decides that he's going to choose a people. And if we read the scriptures more broadly, he says, and through you, I'll save the whole world. It seems that God's way of bringing renewal and his plan is people. I mean, I personally think it's not the smartest way of doing things. If I was God, I would do it differently because I'm a people and I know how frail and weak and how much I have the ability to stuff things up. I wouldn't put all of salvation on people. I'd come and do it myself if I was God. Well, he does send Jesus, but he chooses people to be his vehicle to do it. So God chooses a people. He says, you're going to be my own. And when Moses pleads with God, when the people are so rebellious, these people are so difficult, Moses gets so desperate at one point, he says to God, God, can you show me you? God, can I see you? Can I see you? This man who had at first resisted what God wanted, then was so full on for what it was, then ends up with this people that are so rebellious. He gets so brokenhearted, so disappointed, so much that he says one day, he says, God, can I see you for me? Please. And God says to him, I can't let you see me because you will surely die. But God says to him, but I'll hide you in the crevice of rock. And then God describes himself. He describes himself when he goes past. Moses said, I'll hide you in the cleft of a rock and you'll see my back because you'd surely die. And in Exodus 34 verse 6, it says, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord. He calls out his own name. The Lord, the Lord. A God merciful and gracious. Slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for the thousandth generation, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. God describes himself. God describes who he is and he says, I'm merciful. He says, I'm gracious. He says, I'm slow to anger. He said, I'm abounding in steadfast love. Steadfast means it doesn't change. Any of us who are parents, Have you ever had times where your kids just drive you mad and you still love them anyway? 
steadfast, it doesn't move. He's abounding in faithfulness, he says of himself. I'm faithful to you. I abound in faithfulness. I'm not walking away. I'm not leaving you. I am with you. And he forgives iniquity and transgression and sin. That's who he is. He's merciful, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, abounding in faithfulness, forgiving iniquity, transgression and sin. That's what he says he is. If I was to say to one of you, describe yourself, would any of those things be on your list? But that's his definition of who he is. If I had to describe me, I'd come up with words. That's God's description of who he is. Um, And he says, but if I'm this and I'm choosing you, that I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people, then, then, then there's, there's some agreement we've got to have. I've got, I've got a covenant. I've got an agreement that we have to enter into. And he gives them the Ten Commandments. And what's the very first of the commandments? Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or that is on earth beneath or that is in the water underneath the earth, you shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. He says, you shall have no other gods before me. Now, for many of us, we can make gods out of all sorts of things. We live in a world that people say is not religious, but the point is, my goodness, we're spiritual. We're worshipping things all the time. We're worshipping happiness. We're worshipping our pleasure. We're worshipping the things we have. We're worshipping money. Have a look at the television programs on about all of the things and the people we admire who have more than many people have. We're worshipping all kinds of things today. And he says, you shall have no other gods but me. No other idols idols but me. And that last line says, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. I'm a jealous God. What does it mean by jealous? What it means by jealous is, is that if I'm perfect, if I'm the creator of everything, if I'm the only uncreated being, it is sheer stupidity to put anything else that's created as your idol. And so jealous in the sense of it's not I'm spurned so much as this makes no sense. This makes no sense that you would choose anything to put before me because I am the perfect one. And so when the people of Israel through history were faithful to God, life went very well for them. Life went very well for them and and they were blessed. But when they worshipped other gods, They went into another town. They went into another city. They went into another place. And they took on the gods and worshipped the gods of the place they entered. Oh, that upset God. You know, when they mixed with other people, when there was no distinction between them as God's holy people and the local people they lived with, oh, that upset God when they just integrated in and they looked exactly the same and there was no difference in attitude, values, actions and the way they lived that no one could come and say, these are the people that God has chosen. That irritated him. And God would turn and her life would be poor for them. And because he is a gracious God, because he's a God abounding in love and forgiveness, when they would turn back to him when things got so bad, 
what he would do was we, and they repented as in changed their direction and they turned back to God. He would come and he would bless them and he would be gracious to them because you know why? Because he's a God who's merciful. He's a God who's gracious. He's a God who's abounding in love. He's a God that's slow to anger. He's a God who's faithful. He's a God who forgives sin and transgression to a thousand generations and that's his description of himself. That's how he introduces himself. This is me, he would say. And when they repented and turned to God, life went well. When Jesus came, he declared a new kingdom. He declared a new kingdom. He called people out of their life. He declared that, you know, the, you know when we prayed, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. He said, there's a new kingdom coming. And we want that kingdom on here. We want that kingdom here on earth. And, and we read in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, the beginning of the Sermon of the Mount, Matthew's version of the Sermon of the Mount, because there's a couple in the, in the other Gospels. And, in, and, and it starts with the Beatitudes, where God describes people and says, these are the ones that are important to me. These people who are poor, these people who, who have nothing, these people who are sold out for me, these are the ones that I value. These are the ones that I value. And then, and, 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 and then, he's, and then he says... If these are the ones that I value, then this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, it says, you're the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything, but it's thrown out and trampled underfoot. Just wait there. He says, you're the saltiness, you're the flavour. You're the people that are called. You're the people that know me. You're the people that have encountered me. Go into the world. Don't be the same as the world. Be different to the world and you infect them rather than allow them to infect you to be who they are. And he goes on and he says, you're the light of the world. A city, a city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one after lighting a lamp puts it under the bushel basket, put on the lampstand and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. He says to them, do not be the same as others. Do not be the same as others. Be different. Be who I called you to be. I wonder if the reason so many people have turned their back on God in our world is because when they look at our churches and they look at Christians, they don't see anything different that all they see is themselves. So why would I join? Why would I become? Why would I become who they are? Jesus says, I haven't come. He then goes on and he says in Matthew 5, he said, I haven't come to abolish the law. I haven't come to say everything that was is no good anymore. He says, I've come to fulfill it. I've come to make it better. And he then gives examples of who he says they're meant to be. And he says this in Matthew 5, 21, you've heard that it was said, to those of ancient times, you shall not murder. And whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. And he then goes on and he says, but I tell you, though anyone who looks at someone and is angry at them is as good as. He just changes the value. He then comes along and says, well, you Christians are meant to be like this. He said, you've heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed a, adultery with her in his heart. Jesus keeps coming along and he just says, there's something different, there's something different, there's something different about you. 
He goes on and he said, it, it was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of unchastity, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Jesus keeps turning things upside down. And he says again, he said, again, you've heard that it was said uh, to those of ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but I carry out, the, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all either by heaven for it's the throne of God. He keeps changing the values. He says, this is what the world says. Let me tell you now. This is what they used to say in the old times, but I'm here now. Let me tell you. He says, you heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the cheek, turn the other also. It's pretty alternative to the world today, isn't it? He then goes on and he said, you've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbour and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus is turning things upside down, back to front, and he's saying, be different. Stop being the same. Because the same won't bring people to Christ. The same won't get people to heaven. The same won't be attractive to anybody. Jesus is, is, is declaring to Christ followers and, and what a Christ follower is. He's saying, you be different. See, throughout history, Jesus um, has said that this is the way that we're meant to live. And we see it in the last 2,000 years. Uh, we see this call to difference. Ask yourself the question, would anybody accuse you of being a Christian? And that it makes a difference to your life. Ask yourself the question, do you have power when you pray? Do the sick get healed? Oh, some of you would go, that's a bit excessive. Doesn't appear to be what Jesus said. Jesus said, you'll do greater things than me. How's that working out for you? What we need is renewal. What we need is, is, is a newness. A newness. And just maybe, just maybe, God might use impactors to be that in the world. We're spread far. We're spread in countries all over the world. Just maybe. How, how, does, how does renewal come upon the church? How does renewal come upon, uh, upon the church? How does God bring renewal to the church and upon the earth? Number one, people are called to holiness. Um, do what God has called you to do. If God has called you to be in business, be the best person in business you can be. If God has called you to be a teacher, be the best teacher you can be. If God's called you to be a, a mother, a father, an uncle, an auntie, a grandparent, be the best grandparent you can be. See the spirituality of that calling. If God has called you to be a plumber or a panel beater, be the best plumber and panel beater that you can be. If God has called you and said to you, I want you to work in business and make lots of money, then don't you dare not make lots of money. 
And if God has called you to give away everything you have, don't you dare keep what you should not. Holiness is doing what God tells you. It is not looking to the left or right and saying, what are you doing? Holiness is looking at God and saying, what is your command to me? Because a day will come when I will stand in your presence and you will say, were you faithful to what I asked of you? And not someone else. Holiness is standing up and saying, I'm doing what God has asked of me. Holiness is, is, is knowing that there are things that we need to do that keep us in the presence of God and keep the ears of our heart hearing, like making sure we pray every week, every day, making sure we read the Scriptures, making sure we receive sacraments that build and grow us and are present for them in our life. Uh, People are called to holiness. When we look at the renewal movements that brought, brought transformation to these times of lessening and hardship where people had forgotten who God was and who they were, what changed them was people hearing the call to, I'm calling you. I'm calling you. It's an every person by themselves standing there saying to God, I'm going to do what God is asking me. You don't come before God married. You come before God by yourself. I'll face God one day by myself. No one's going to come with me into that day of, of judgment. No one's going to stand beside me. It's not a group test and it's not multiple choice. I'll stand before God and he will say, were you faithful? I asked you to be a model. I asked you to be, you know, a bricklayer. I gave you times when you were unemployed. I gave you much money. I gave you little money. Were you faithful in every moment? I gave you health challenges and allowed them to come into your life. Were you faithful? I saw you when relationships went tough and sour and ended were you faithful? Because we don't become like the world when we face all of those things and just go, well, I'll just do what they do. We stop over here and we start and we say, I'm the one that's different. Recently, the readings at church were, were, about, were about the fact that the prostitutes and the tax collectors, the people who, who were not meant to get into, were the ones who seemed to foul all the rules, were the ones that Jesus kept choosing, but the ones who were his people of old seemed to be rejected because they didn't keep turning to God. God is not looking for the person who's got credentials. He's looking for the heart that says, I'm yours. The second thing, if we're going to bring renewal to, our, to the church in our lives, is people are convicted of personal and corporate sin and therefore repent. Now, someone said to me the other day, whatever you do, Bruce, never use the word sin. And I said to them, why not? And they said, people don't like it. And I get that. I don't like it either. But sin is what takes us away from holiness. God says to you, I want you to build your business. And you go, well, I'll kind of build it. Sin. God says, I'm calling you to be married, but you don't invest the time for a better marriage. Sin. 
You see a pretty girl walk down the street and you allow your mind to wander. Sin. You spend your money on things that you shouldn't. Sin. Sin is falling short of what God asked you. You in your life. And, and, and if you were to pray, if you were to be silent in the stillness of God's presence, Can you say, I'm in the right place, I'm in a good place with God today? And that's why repentance is that moment where we come back to God and we ask his forgiveness. And then he's good because he's abundant, abundant and a loving God who wants to forgive. It's why we have in, in the church the sacrament of reconciliation for Catholic people. Other Christian churches do it differently. But where we come before God and we ask his forgiveness, we're restored to community. Um, if you're never convicted of your personal sin or the corporate sin of, of the world of Christians, you've become insensitive to who you should be. The third thing, how, how do we go about renewal uh, to the church and upon the earth is people desperately began to call out to God to come. They prayed for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. In, in modern times, in olden times, they just prayed that God would come. You know, are you desperate that God would change the world? I felt, like, I felt like saying to that man who said to me, who was in that senior position in the church, I felt like saying to him, are you praying and are you desperate before God? God, would you come? God, would you come? God, would you come? Would you come and help us? Today, would you pour your Holy Spirit because it's the Spirit of God that will lift us out of where we are? The fourth thing is, is people are drawn to community. We see through history when renewal came, people gathered together. People began to find like people, right? People began together who had a heart for it, who began to pray. And in our world today, because the world is so small through technology, God is drawing people together from places all over the world. Sandra, who is our manager of our hosts, and I sometimes talk for the impactors. Sandra and I often talk about people that we talk about in other, other countries and we go, wow, they've got our heart. We have their heart. God draws people to community. That's what this series has been about. That's what this series has been about. And then finally... How did renewal come to the church and to the, on the earth is people hear from God. They hear in their heart, in their lives, and as groups of people, they hear God directing them in their life. What is distinctive is that ordinary people stand up and live a new life in Christ. That is what has changed the world and brought renewal to the world. Now, you can stop and say to yourself, but I work by myself in my house. I don't really see that many people at all. Why does it even matter what I do? But the reality is we belong to this thing called the mystical body of Christ. As human beings, every one of us does. And even in the privacy of our life, the holiness of, the, of our lives affects the whole. Think about those orders of religious sisters, often Carmelites and others as well, who live in those monasteries where they go in there and they go in when they're teenagers and they stay there the rest of their life and never leave. And they're just a small group of nuns or brothers even and they just pray quietly. You can stop and say, well, they're irrelevant to the world. No, they're not. 
What they're doing is they're praying and interceding and they're part of the mystical body of Christ. If you are alone because of your nature of your world, if you're elderly and you don't do anything anymore and you can stop and say, I can't do anything. Yes, you can by the holiness of your life. By you doing what God has called you to do in the place where you are right now, you can have great effect. The centre of Christian community is Jesus. The centre of Christian community is Jesus. He is our focus. He is our saviour and he's our Lord and we're nothing without him. And as we go forward now, I'm going to start a brand new series next week. And this new series is how we follow Jesus. And then in our daily devotionals that we're doing every day, I'm doing a series currently and that will continue on called Knowing Jesus. Because if we're going to have an effect, if impactors are going to have an effect upon the world, if you in whatever Christian community or group you're called to be in, that God has got you in, what will change the world is our love of Jesus and our power to live in, in Jesus and Jesus being powerful in us through the Holy Spirit. You know? So you can stop and say, well, it's all well and good to say love and be loved, serve and be served, know and be known. I celebrate and be celebrated, honour and be honoured. But how do I do that? Because I live in Boston and someone else lives in Barcelona and someone else lives in uh, Athens. Uh, how do I do that? Well, we can, do, we can be community. How do we be community? Well, we can do this in a number of ways. In all of our sites, in all of the products that we currently put out and all of the ways that the community can gather, we gather in many different ways. We have our daily devotionals. Our daily devotionals are all about how we pray as a community and, and how we pray individually as a community. And every day, every day for a few minutes, our prayer is to help people pray and help them in their personal walk with God. I wouldn't be here today if it was not for a priest who for years said to me, pray every day, and then would ask me how my prayer went every day and then taught me prayer every day. You can never be taught too much. Secondly, it's another way that we can gather is Impactors Online, which is the weekly prayer and teaching service, which many of you are watching right now. And, 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 and if you, we all know that we can comment in the community. We can be community to each other. We can love each other in those moments, no matter where we are. We don't have to see each other to increase our holiness, to change the world, to bring renewal in the world. You can, and if you happen to miss the online version because one of the times doesn't line up for you, you can also watch the on-demand version of the same message. You can watch this message. It's on all the time. You just go to this place, on, uh, this place and some people say, gee, I wish I could watch that again and haven't known that they can go straight into our website and watch it again. And you can comment in that place and people will see your comments. Um, you can pray the rosary with us. Now, I realise that there are people who, who, um, who, who are either Catholic and are not particularly sure about what that is or know what it is or, or have a commitment to praying the rosary. I appreciate there are many, many, many people from other Christian churches who watch this and the rosary is not part of your, part of your tradition. Uh, it is mine. Uh, as Pope John Paul II said or St John Paul II said, the rosary is a reflection on the face of Jesus. And, and, and there's a way to pray it. But we pray it every day. I think the guys were telling me we're close to a million people have prayed the rosary uh, or, or prayed this year with us. And it's there every day. You can pray, you can pray with us. Um, you can go to the prayer wall. 
and, and uh, on the prayer wall, and under the rosary, you actually can comment as well because there's community there. You can go to our prayer wall. If you have needs or you have hopes, you can go there and there are people I notice all the time praying for people's needs. And you can enter into that and you can pray for people and you can be the light of Christ in that place. And we all have needs at times. You can go to the Women's Heart Ministry, uh, which, which every week they put out podcasts. Our, our team here put out podcasts, um, videos and teaching for women. Now, the truth is, is that it's for women, but a lot of men say they watch it as well. And uh, uh, you can go there and it's there all the time and it is there to grow you. And you can have community because you can talk and comment and share with people right there. You can also go to, into social media, to YouTube, to Facebook, to Instagram, and in all those places, we're there. And you can have build community in those places as well. You can also go to our podcasts and anywhere you want, whether it be Spotify, Apple, or anywhere you listen, um, our, our daily devotionals, our Sunday messages, the rosary is in huge number of places where it is as well that you can watch it there and it goes out every day. Uh, so why, why am I sharing these things is because we can engage in community by what we choose to do. Some of us can meet in, the, in a room or meet people in different cities and places around, but a lot of the time we don't because we are a community spread across the world. And so we need to go to the places where we can talk, we can pray for each other and be community. I love on the impactors online, I, I sometimes go and just read the comments that people are making and so many people say, I love being part of a community like this because I've never had community before. It's happening now. Now in the, and in coming times, we are about to do a number of new things as well that are all with the purpose of helping community. Um, what's coming? We're about to launch a midweek worship service which will be directed at prayer. won't be teaching, it'll be just being able to gather for prayer. And we have our team working at that. We're going to do a Q&A with our impactors team. People often want to, want to ask questions about different things. Well, we have got some things coming that will help us build community and you'll be able to ask questions. Don't ask me things like, are there aliens? Because I'm not going to answer questions like that. We're going to answer questions about impactors and about church and about where we're going. And I don't know the answers to aliens. And the reason I said that is because a kid asked me that the other day. He says, he says, you're a church person. Do you know if there's any aliens? And I don't know. But anyway, um, we're also going to have a series of, for our, all of our leaders in different places, our hosts in places, of some special community time and sessions with all of them. And then we will be launching our Steps Discipleship Program to help us grow. And in all of these things, you do it with people. Now, what happens if you increase your holiness? What happens if you increased your devotion to God? It would change the world. All right. Now you can follow us on television in the countries we are on television as well. But you, could, you would change the world. If the, the world is desperate for God. And it is not going to change. It doesn't change until a group of people begin to pray, Come. And through history, it's often just been ordinary lay women and men who are not theologically trained, who are not church people as such. They're just ordinary men and women that God looked down from heaven and searched the earth and said, I see your heart, I choose you. What would happen if Impactus was that place? 
What happens if we were that group of people that God used to bring renewal upon the earth? But what would happen if you and your community, whether a different community, a different group of people, that God chose to use to bring renewal on the earth? The world is in need of your holiness. Let me say it again. The world is in need of your holiness. And we're the only ones who can do that. And so this series, What Will Bring Impact as Alive, is about us encountering the person of Jesus and making a decision that we as a community, you and me, wherever we are, that we will be a place that loves uh, and will be loved, a place that serves and will and be served, a place that will uh, be known and know, a place where we will celebrate and be celebrated, a place where we will honour and be honoured. What if, what if, what if God is waiting for you, for you to say yes? What if your children and your grandchildren will only come if you say yes? What if, what if your friends, because you're young, will only ever say yes if you say yes because you're young? What if? Seems to be the way through the history of Christianity and even before Jesus that it comes down to a person who would put their hand up and say to God, here I am, choose me. Loving God, we come before you right now and we ask, Lord God, that we would be the people who would say yes. Lord God, that you would put in our heart, no matter where we are, whether we're in Impactors or some other ministry or group, that we would say our yes, that we would grow in holiness and wholeness to you. That, Lord God, we would, we would seek after you with a passion and an enthusiasm that changed the world because we would be changed, because we would grow more and more and more into the man, the woman that you have called us to be. What's distinctive about us is that we have encountered you. Allow us, Lord God, to hear your voice, to experience your touch and to be people who live in power because you live within us. And Father, we make this prayer in the name of Jesus through the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Before we conclude our message today, I wanted to say something to you about our offering today. And I wanted to say it in this way so that it doesn't just blend into the message, but rather is heard. In the scriptures, we don't read anywhere where it talks about taking up collections. That doesn't seem to be the scriptural way. What it does seem to talk about is offerings. What's an offering? An offering is the giving of our life to God. And if we go right back into the Old Testament, right back from the very beginning, we see that the way that the work of God was done was through people's giving. Why giving? Because giving says something about our heart. It, it's not just paying a bill. It's not just uh, giving something because there's a need. It says something about who we are and where we place God in our life. 
when we read the scriptures in the Old Testament, it talks about tithing. And in many Catholic places and Christian places, you'll hear tithing spoken about. And tithing was when people give 10% of their gross income to God and uh, to the work of the church. And that was from the Old Testament and still exists today. Some people have never heard about it. Some people put it in the category of churches trying to rip people off and make money. Well, for many years, Rosemary and I never, ever tithed. We never gave our 10% because we had been raised up in, well, Catholic land where we hadn't heard it uh, ever spoken about and, and we didn't do it. And we were always financially in a tough spot uh, to be able to even consider doing that because of what we did. And then one day we began to, as we began to read the scriptures, we began to stop and say to ourselves, what does the scripture say? And sure enough, it did, does say, and it even said, if you, if you will trust me in this, I will look after you. And I remember Rosemary and I were talking about it and we'd been married for a while and we hadn't been giving in that way. We had just kind of been giving what we had left over or what we, 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 we could give, but never from substantially as a significant, like almost like a, a bill we pay God, like we pay our other bills. And so we decided that we would do it. And we started and we started by giving $10 a week and we survived and then $20 a week and God provided and then $50 a week and God provided and then $100 a week and God provided and then far more than that every week. And God has always looked up after us for this reason, that God is faithful to his word, that he will look after us and provide for us. Because we could keep that money for ourselves but rather what we learnt by living what the scripture teaches us, that as we know Jesus more deeply and we commit our life more deeply to Jesus, that we can encounter him more and that he will provide for us. It's a spiritual living. As I said in the daily devotionals this week, there's an illogic to following God and trusting that he will look after us. Well, if you are watching online, you can go to Uh, this address to be able to contribute right now as we take up our offering. Uh, As I say, we're not taking up a collection. We we don't take up collections. We take up offerings, the offering of our life. And I encourage you to go and do that right now. As soon as the service ends, I'd encourage you to make your offering right now to all of you in the room uh, that are here where we are in the rooms where we are. You can give on the Connect card. Uh, You can go to the resources table and contribute there. Or right now, you can contribute in the buckets as they get passed by. And I'd encourage our our ushers if you would pass them along right now. Let me pray for all of us because when we give our offering, we're effectively praying. Loving God, we thank you today that you're with us as we give an offering of our lives. Lord God, and and, and I can stand here very confidently because Rosemary and I have learned in your provision, that when, you, when we live according to your logic, according to your way, that you look after us and you've always done that for us. And so, Lord God, even though there have been times we've had much and times we've had little, you have always provided for us. And in this time, we trust you, Lord God, for your provision. And Lord God, I pray that you would open people's hearts to live according to your way, your law, your logic. And Father, we make this prayer in the name of Jesus, through the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, thank you for being with us. I pray wherever you are that you know that God is with you. I pray all of you know who God is with you. And don't forget that God is never far from you.